Hello, I'm inviting you into this A Gabrielle exclusive. May your heart be inspired by real people, right intentions, and raw emotion. Keep the conversation going by following A.Gabrielle exclusives on Instagram. I am here today with one of my wonderful classmates, Destiny. So Destiny, tell me, what would be the song, let's say you're about to walk into the room, and this is the beat that drops right before you make your entrance. What would it be? Easy, easy, diva. And see, originally it was just the original diva mm-hmm. by Beyonce, but then when she came out with the homecoming one, that takes precedence because then you also get the, you know, um, uh, I've been getting to the money thrown in there too. So it's just like <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> okay, no, I support that. That like homecoming, just the whole show, like there for it. I would say for me, you know, this changes from day to day almost. Um, for me, I'm kind of feeling the golden, like, living my life like it's golden. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like that by Jill Scott, like, you know, I'm kind of feeling that. Like, let that beat drop and just let me, like, strut in the room, you know? Shine. Shine. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, Destiny. We're going to go ahead and jump into some real talk because that's all we have here. Um, none of this surface level stuff. We go deep. So, Destiny, I have a really just off bad question because you know we've had class together, and I've heard classes. Yes, and I've heard you and many others who grew up in Dallas refer to your neighborhood by zip code. What's significant about that? Like, what's up with that? So I think um, I I don't as a kid I didn't always um, refer by zip code but well actually yeah I did Um, and it has a lot to do I think as a kid I never thought about it until now Um, but uh, with where you went to school and that's how you knew okay well if you're in this zip code then you went to this school and maybe that was either known as a good school or a bad school (laughs) Um, and so people kind of went off of that. I think that's how it originated, like just in my life I, uh, and everyday like language um, in the school systems. And then now that I'm in real estate um, and then we have like politics and um, different districts and councils, then you really look at everything and it gets even deeper um, into how the city is structured uh, by economics, uh, by um, all of the different demographics across the board. So, so what zip code was it that you grew up in? A uh, beautiful question. So I literally hopped around all of Dallas. Um, my parents were teen parents. My mom was seventeen when I, at the time when I was born, and my dad was twenty. And um, <clears throat> we moved everywhere. Um, so I for about I would say about five the first five to no. Yeah, five to six years of my life was in um, back and forth between East Dallas. So it was seven, five, two, two, eight. First some streets out here for the people who aren't as familiar. So with that is John West and uh, Buckner. Okay. And then um, for the next about nine, uh, no, until I was about nine, sorry, excuse me, I lived in 75211, which is uh, what would be considered uh, your West Oak Cliff uh, area. Okay. So like Kimball High School. Gotcha. Area. Um, and then for the next eight years, eight, eight or nine, eight and a half years-ish, we lived in 75217, which... Uh, was 
nothing <laughs> it's i20 um you would technically consider it at the time pleasant grove but it really wasn't developed it was just somebody threw some houses out there and tried to put some people out yeah. there <laughs> <laughs> um and then after that um up until now it has been um no i lied so <laughs> seven five two four one uh for a great deal at slash seven five two three two because they rezoned some things and then uh, now I'm in 75208 and 75216. Okay, well, you know, that's why I asked you to throw some streets in there because I'm like, these zip codes, like, give me some You get lost, right? Yeah. So I've uh, basically, the if anywhere in the southern sector of Dallas, I've moved around. Um, I also have lived in North Dallas for uh, probably like two or three years uh, when I was like attending school at Richland and UT. But the southern sector so anywhere from um your bishop arts to your cedar crest uh slash trinity heights to uh, south oak cliff to pleasant grove and east dallas that's where i moved around hopped around in west oakland so what would you say it was like to grow up in dallas because i feel like you've experienced dallas <laughs> in a lot of different ways so what was that like for you um it was, I would say it was fun. It was, I, I guess growing up, the biggest thing you, you think about is school. Mm -hmm. And so I remember like elementary school because we went, we hopped around to different ones. Um, when we eventually, I was in, I think second, yeah, second grade when I was in Pleasant Grove. And like I said, they just kind of threw those houses out there. So like the school that was there was not, it wasn't like I could walk to the school. Um, and when I was there, it was a very low performing school and I would get bored <laughs> and then get into trouble. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that of a lot of my peers, um, but yeah, it's so, uh, I just stuck with the teacher. <laughs> so when you say you got bored, was it because there was not like enough academic rigor or there were no extracurricular activities? It was just like, do these worksheets. And then when you're done with the worksheets, but that was just like some of the teachers. Some of the teachers, you would have like stations. Um, and so that would be kind of cool, but then it would be like, okay, well now I've got all of this. Like, mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, I remember like computer class when we finally got computers that was, way way back when computers were like fresh <laughs> like the little uh mac oh the color ones uh no oh. not even that i wish this was like the 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 green screen green and black screen oh. but sort of kind of had a little bit of color to it but okay yeah those computers so that was kind of fun but that was the biggest thing i do remember they had like a lot of programs for their, um for us to do well, like, and they get had a lot of programs with Buckner uh, International, which is a nonprofit organization here in Dallas, mm -hmm. where they would um, have like what they call Buckner Bucks. So like this time of year, we would go and they would uh, give you, they would reward you in like this this fake money for doing good throughout the yeah. semester, and then you would go and like shop for your family. So stuff like that was cool, um, living there. But then I. My mom got lucky and someone told her about Montessori schools, mm -hmm. um, Harry Stone Montessori, which was a magnet school. And so she applied for me to go there. And I, well, I went through the interview process and the application process and um, got accepted there. And so then I was in like the magnet school system from there on out. Okay. 
would you say that there's been like a specific teacher that has really impacted your life whether it's positive negative or really just done something that has stuck with you oh man i can think of countless <laughs> seriously but uh let's see i would say the one that made the most impact would probably be not even a teacher but a, my principal my high school principal um dr wells uh she is she really i guess saw um how because i would get bored i guess too <laughs> especially my senior year so she saw where um she could use not just like i said my boarder but also a few of my other peers um and give us things that would leave like a legacy and provide something for the the people who were to come after us so we would just be in the office and we would uh we eventually turned it into one of the rooms excuse me into a uh like college prep room where there wow. were computers and you could go and like fill out your applications and things like that so it's really cool um, that was really cool and i appreciate her for uh not just that opportunity but many opportunities that she's helped me uh th with throughout like life and my career afterwards so we're gonna segue a little bit because i think you're tapping into something that's really awesome um you mentioned several times that you know you did the, co the coursework but you ended up finding yourself bored and one thing that i think i hear a lot about is boredom being looked at as a negative thing and so teachers say okay well teachers may not evaluate that you're bored but because you're bored you act out or you get into trouble or you do this thing and then you face these consequences but it sounds like your principal took that boredom and said okay well let's give them something to do let's empower them to own this experience so what would you say um would maybe be like a recommendation uh for educators or for principals or teachers to kind of like empower their students in this way instead of saying oh you have behavior problems go to detention and say, okay, here's what you're doing and here's how we can use that positively. Right. Um, that's a great question. I think that when educators take the time to, like say, like to ask and to look and to really evaluate the student as a, their own being and to find out, okay, well, you're bored. What would you like to be doing? And you never know that even if they're bored in an English class, uh, you might find out that, oh, they would like to be coding. That's still a language. And that's gonna help them you know, learn English in a sense. So you, there's ways that you can do both. And I think like really tailoring to the students um, individually. And I know in classes where there's 40 plus students, you can't always do that. And I've seen that being in the school systems. Um, as a kid and now uh however i do believe that you can assess as a group and ask too um to find out okay well how would y'all like to learn uh what is interesting to you right now and how can i incorporate that i see that as where a lot of educators who are successful that's one of the things that they have a gift or a knack for or they take the time to do rather well i think that's so good one of the things that I've just found in research um, is that one of the, I would say, key missing parts in decision, make, decision making is the student. Like the student is never invited to the table to say, here is my input. Yes, children have rights too. Yes, and I think like, you know, if anything, like a student, especially as you um, progress through 
education, you are an expert on your reality. You know you. You know the life you live. You know what your home life is. You know how you learn. You know what makes you excited, what makes you bored. And so it's like, how can we incorporate children and students into forming their experience? Because I think um, just kind of like as you think about just life in general, people are more supportive and bought in if they have something to say about what they're essentially being forced to do. Definitely. Otherwise, it's like I said, it's being forced and it's like prison. Yeah. It's an institution where you're just doing your time and you, you don't care and you're going to just like do whatever. If you don't, you're not going to respect anyone who is asking you to do anything because it's not, you know, it, it really doesn't interest you. It doesn't add, it, you don't see it as adding any value to you. Yeah. Whether they can actually express that or not. No, I think that's valid. And I think it's something that you grow to express as you get older. But I think that it's something that could start young. And like, because imagine being like, you know, eight, nine and being empowered to decide how the blocks are going to be set up in the class or decide, you know, what activity we're going to do. I think that's kind of like where you start the empowerment and then you just expand it. Right. And I think that that was one benefit that I gained from um, being able to attend a Montessori school was because... Um, at four in the fourth grade, like at ten and eleven, I was told, "Okay, here is the lesson. Here is the materials that you need. This is where you find them. This is how you do the work. Here are examples. Do you understand? Do you have any questions? Okay, great. If you have any questions or you don't understand, come back and we can redo this. Otherwise, this is when it's due. You have everything you need." And so I kind of had that power in a sense, like and responsibility of like, okay, I know what I got to do. And oh, this is cool because it's not just like worksheets. It's actual materials in hand that like you were saying, like blocks. Some 3D stuff. Yeah. Things that I can touch, feel, do um, and learn with um, in the way that I needed to learn. Uh, So I think that that was very empowering and falls in line with what you were saying like we need more of that no i think that's super good super good okay so we're gonna bring it back in a little bit um so you mentioned earlier that you are in real estate how'd you find yourself in that sector right so 2014 well 2013 new year's eve to 2014 that day um january 1st i woke up and you could call it my day of disgust and I remember I went to my grandmother's house and I said, Grandma, I'm not going to be poor no more. <laughs> and I meant it. I meant it from the bottom of my heart. And How I, old were you then? Uh, if you don't mind 23. Okay. I was 23. And I... um just decided to just really start investing in myself. I wouldn't have known to call it that, but that's what I was doing and um, seeking help. So I was researching um, everything uh, I could to just really improve my life. Like I knew, okay, one money was important. So that was where I started. Like how do you uh, earn more money or, you know, what are the, the secrets behind money? And I found that I needed to, uh, I found Rich Dad Poor Dad. Mm, okay. I somehow I ended up on with that book, and I read that book, and he talked about um, investing in stocks. He talked about taxes, and he talked about real estate. And when I read, when he talked about real estate, it reminded me of when he talked about investing in rental real estate, property, uh, having properties and renting them out. It reminded me of how, as a kid, I made my sisters pay me rent to live in their their rooms. 
and I put like manila folders on their, their doors and they had to pay me like their water bill, their rent, all of that. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm gonna learn about stocks, I'm gonna learn about taxes, and then I'm going to get my real estate license and become a real estate investor. Okay, so wait, go back. So your sisters were paying you rent. So how did this come about, or what was this like, or what'd you do with the money? Like, tell me more. It wasn't real money. Um, I had, uh, I liked, like, when I would go to the dollar store, my toy of choice, if my mom would be like, oh, you could get a toy, was the play money. I love the play money. I love to get cash registers that have money. I love Monopoly. I loved any game that came with money, life. Uh, I loved, uh, I had little checkbooks, IDs, fake credit cards. And then even at 13, my dad yeah, got me my first limited two credit card. Okay. So like, I don't know, <laughs> I just. <laughs> it just happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you know a lot about real estate. You learned a lot about money. You taught yourself. How has your knowledge of real estate impacted the work that you do in the community, or how has your life growing up impacted how you do real estate? That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> because now uh, it's actually not even about money. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like now. <clears throat> I mean, the money comes, don't get me wrong, <laughs> yes. but it's, it's really more about educating others because the more that, as I, as I followed this path to money, I found that the true power was in the knowledge and just knowing um, what you can do with real estate and what it really means to own land and is, that's how we take our power back as a go you know of the government as a people um and so that's powerful in itself um on a nationwide and community level i think no i think that's that's really good um can you share with us a little bit about this term concentrated poverty definitely um so I, I this that's a great question. I like um in in Dallas, one area down the street from us, literally, we could walk there probably less than forty minutes. Um, walking that is. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's Vickery Meadows ish area, right? And this area, um, Vickery Meadows, this is one of the I think the best definitions of concentrated poverty in Dallas because you have surrounding it, you've got White Rock uh, area to the south, you've got um, where we are, University Park, Highland Park to the west, you've got, uh, you can even go, it's, I mean it's in the middle of North Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> and um, beyond that, it has, uh, I think, a really not think a really high concentration of uh, immigrants. Mm, okay, and so that's why I think it's the perfect example of what concentration concentrated poverty is. There is a high the, one of the highest level of crimes in this area, and these zip codes are, <clears throat> if you care to know, so the streets are going to be like you're at Park Lane and down to. Um, like I said, Vickery, and okay. uh, your schools are like the Stubbs Middle School, Conrad uh, High School, um, in that area. Gotcha. Uh, so, 
And then, like I said, you have that and you, you have a high crime. Uh, you have kids really not even going to school most of the times um, because what we talked about earlier. Yeah. <laughs> they're bored and they want to be like NBA young boy and everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go down the street and you're over here where you have multi-million dollar homes and multi-million dollar lifestyles. Yeah. That they'll never even know or fathom what that is. So let me start going back, like talking about what concentrated poverty looks like and just kind of like this huge wealth gap that we see just in neighborhoods right next to each other. Um, one thing you said earlier was that you went to your grandmother's house and you said, Grandma, I'm not going to be poor anymore. What was your life like before 23 or before you decided you had this like epiphany of like, I'm going to change some things? <laughs> um, It was... A negative bank account every week, like negative. Were you working? Did you have yes. bills to pay? Like so, I was working like four or five jobs, going to school, um, trying to just live. Yeah, just live. Were you living on your own? Yes, yes. So, um, and at the same time, I think when I was uh, twenty-two, my sister, my younger sister, was living with me as well for a part of the uh, year. So I had someone like depending upon me in a sense, um, not fully, but partially as well. So, yeah, just trying to survive. <laughs> you're, making, you're working like four or five jobs and still the bank account ain't lining up. Exactly. And I take it as you probably weren't living, you know, in the University Park area where. No, I was um, in North Dallas off of in another <laughs> area that's in probably one of the highest crime uh, off of Forest and abrams and 635 like yeah i know there yeah walking to kroger uh walking to class like just trying to make it work <laughs> walking to work riding dart to work and you, would you say that's a reality for a lot of people here in dallas definitely definitely just just uh surviving um day to day just trying to breathe <laughs> yeah I think that one of the things that we kind of see happening a lot here in Dallas is this thing called gentrification. Yes. Um, do you think there's any positive impact to gentrification? Yes, definitely. I talk about this a lot on my Instagram, on my uh, on the IGTV, um, because where I live in Bishop Arts, and I purposely chose to live there um, because of it, because I grew up, like I said, all over the Southern sector. So that was the area where I spent a lot of time, um, went to church in the area, um, things like that. All right, so it's there's definitely positive in that you are bringing some value uh, to the neighborhood where in with the redevelopment and like the fixing of streets and just mm -hmm. making things better in general. That's great, um, infrastructure wise. As far as building. Ten five hundred thousand dollar units on a lot where there used to be a two hundred thousand dollar house. Mm hmm. I almost used some bad language, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, that's not right. That's the negative. So I see positive, but there is definitely um some like just straight taking advantage of and just disrespectful to the people that's already in the community um, 
by doing things like that. Like, and it doesn't help in any way. Like, they're sitting there in the construction of multiple ones that watch them. Like, they're not even complete because you're struggling to bring in Central Market. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> okay, so let me ask you one thing, kind of along those lines, and just with your knowledge of real estate. So, um, let's say you know we get some money. We're gonna go into this community, probably take a couple houses, tear them down, build a store here. Where did those people go? Here in Dallas specifically, where would you say you see those people? Where are they forced to relocate? Right, either further south um, or uh, to the north, like I mentioned where I went. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, oh, well, let me get out the south when I'm there. And I was like, this isn't much better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, or they go even, even further out um, because that's the only way you're going to find something that is more affordable. But even with that, sometimes they're not able to because of lack of resources such as transportation. Uh, the dark transportation does not go all the way uh, out to the south, uh, southern sector, and to other areas, and even further out to some other suburbs. Um, but just that's just what it is. It's not built for that type of life. So if they don't have a car, then and they maybe have a job that's in the more um, um, like central, cen yes, central part of Dallas, then they may be forced to go into shelters. Or if they were given money, then they might can go uh, and maybe get an apartment somewhere for a little while or whatever the case may be. But they're forced out of where they knew and what they knew that was home. Do you think that gentrification contributes to redlining and rezoning as you kind of like force people out of their space and kind of concentrate them in different, concentrate like these groups of people that are all very similar into these other spaces? I think that uh, gentrification is a part of the design for maintaining uh, the, the redlining, yes. I think that it allows, you're right, like it allows <clears throat> people to come in and, and like you said control that area um, and displace these people and keep them in a certain area and I noticed that with how they are also if you look you have Bishop Arts and then to the south you have Wynwood. Wynwood district is now being uh, gentrified. They are building a new uh, movie theater and you can cut me off at any point. Oh no, go girl! Like you, we're real talk here. They're building a new movie theater, and uh, all of that added. I think they just added a Cane's Chicken, which is um, great. Um, <laughs> but you go to the Kroger, and it's it's trash. Like the the produce is not um, the best. It's not you can barely find a variety of things. It's very limited. <clears throat> it's always a mess, but that's the grocery store that's there unless you live in it. it, it because it takes, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> Let me explain. So Wynwood, um, where I'm speaking, these you have this shopping district, and then uh, surrounded by it's surrounded by about eighty to ninety acres of low income uh, project housing, mm -hmm. and then on the other side uh, you have three hundred thousand dollar homes. Yeah, <laughs> and so you again have this this, this this visual like gap like I can look and see like oh those people over there like they're like my house could fit inside of there like eight of my houses could probably fit inside of their house 
I don't even have a house. What is that? <laughs> I don't yeah. know what that life is like. I share space in these projects that have been the same since the New Deal when they were created. Yeah, <laughs> that's real. Um, and I think it hurts my heart to think that you can have such wealth existing in the same space as just deep poverty. But I think that the kind of optimistic part of it for me is looking at, okay, what kind of work can be done? Where can my impacts come in? Um, and I know you mentioned the Kroger and like just how the produce is not really what anyone would want to buy. It's not healthy or it's not top quality. Um, and I know I've heard you speak many times about um, healthy food and like food deserts and things like this. Um, how would you say that... Um, you kind of initiated that like where did that come from with you in terms of like highlighting food deserts and wanting to do work to bring good food to these communities right so <clears throat> so remember i said i'm not gonna be poor no more yeah <laughs> and i uh research 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 and um i discovered that health is wealth and so i kind of changed my diet up and started to eat what i thought was more healthy but i still had a lot of bad habits um just from being kid didn't realize that they were bad habits i just really like jack-in-the-box funnel cakes y'all um <laughs> so yeah so i ate a lot of a lot of processed food a lot of fast food um and then i was uh, a flight attendant like living on the go and like eating a lot of um, quick foods. And so I was, I was diagnosed with uh, dermatomyositis. I don't claim it, but that's what they diagnosed me with. Um, and as I did my research from there, I discovered it was because of uh, foods that I, like the foods that I had been eating. And so I changed my diet for 90 days and then went back to the doctor and they said, there's no more markers, there's no more signs, your, your levels are all good. So I just kind of kept that lifestyle. At the same time, I was in school studying at Arizona State University, um, and I had just become just begun um, my like. I guess in a sense, you're you're like this is your little final project, senior project for oh like uh, capstone kind of something. Yeah, but for my bachelor's. Okay, I don't remember the exact name of it, <laughs> um, but that's what I was like my final research, and because of this uh, diagnosis, I wanted to look into food more and in so doing so discovered food deserts and a food desert is defined by the usda as uh any area where you cannot walk out your door in any direction for one mile and not find uh fresh produce and food of nutritional value and then i looked at everywhere where i grew up and everywhere i had lived and even the place i had chose to live when i moved out of the state and I realized I've been living in food deserts all my life. <laughs> and so I wanted to um, work to change that and find a solution. And that's when my research began. And uh, it's kind of come full circle back to Dallas because that's where I am from and where I want to get back to. And um, yeah. So how have you so been able to like get back like in, I guess, 
in that way to begin to combat some of the food deserts that we have around here? Right. Great question. So I haven't done anything yet. Um, Come on, yes. However, <laughs> I coming up this uh, spring, we'll be working with uh, Better Block. Uh, they have, as I mentioned, Vickery Meadows, Vickery Plaza. Uh, it, Victory Vickery TD Bank Plaza is the name of it, uh, and they kind of re. It's called Five Points. That's the exact point. Sorry, um, redesigned it. Right, they put little swings and um, painted the sidewalks and just made it a more uh, aesthetically pleasing and an inviting place. Yeah, right? it's not the place where you hang out and um, sell drugs anymore. Yeah, <laughs> or rob people or whatever the case may be. And so they have a space um, that they're gonna allow me to use to set up and uh, bring education on um, basically foods of nutritional value and more specifically uh, growing your own microgreens Ooh, okay. um, within the home and then what tasty and fun meals you can make with that. Yeah, emphasis on tasty because I think that we think yeah. healthy and we think bland, but healthy can be good. Yeah, yes. So that is um, still in the works, but uh, scheduled out. Um, and once I have everything finalized and put out um, flyers and things, I'll definitely share that with you. Yes, and we will uh, let the people know. Thanks for tuning in while the conversation was flowing. Follow a.gabrielle exclusives on Instagram and the conversation can keep going. I post once a week. Make sure you subscribe so you can stay up and catch this weekly vibe. Let's go.